0: The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare wrap. Y'all come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare App. Welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking about building the healthcare of tomorrow. This season, we're attempting the deepest dive that's ever been done on the disruptive organizations that are likely to impact the experience of healthcare consumers for years to come. For more provocative thinking, we hope you'll follow us and check out our previous episodes, all 200 of them. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. So here's what's gonna go down today. We have the flavor of the week about health at home. VillageMD has a vision for reducing the costs of primary care through house calls. Are they having a moment and will they keep growing? I'll talk about that. Then Zane and I are joined by regular contributor James Gardner again for a wide ranging discussion on the Amazon One medical merger and what it could say about the future presence of retail brands in healthcare. Amazon still hasn't revealed their healthcare strategy publicly, but have they given us enough clues to tell us their end game? And if they strive to be Earth's most customer-centric company, what's their play in an industry that's still looking to find its footing in that area? The provocative thinking starts now. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the Week. Do house calls have a place in the healthcare of tomorrow and can a health at home business model work? Dr. Thomas Cornwell believes the answer to both questions is an absolute yes. Dr. Cornwell is the Senior Medical Director of Village Medical at Home, part of Village MD, and he recently shared his vision with Home Healthcare News. Village MD is a primary care provider with a footprint across 22 markets. It's responsible for more than 1.6 million patients, more than double that of one medical, it should be noted. Walgreens Boots Alliance has invested over $6 billion into the company. Their goal is to open 1,000 new clinics within five years, and Health at Home also appears to be part of their growth plan. Village MD recently acquired Indiana-based Grace at Home, a provider of home-based primary care services, and Village Medical at Home is taking off. Village Medical at Home specifically began in Houston, where there are now 16 different at-home primary care clinics. It's also spread to Indiana, Chicago, Phoenix, Atlanta, Kentucky, and Rhode Island. And Dr. Cornwell has personally made, get this, more than 34,000 house calls. VillageMD's model of at-home and in-clinic services is intriguing for several reasons. First, cost savings. Cornwell said, The world is starting to understand that 5% of the Medicare population consumes 50% of the costs. And no other care reduces costs as much as home-based primary care because they unintentionally focus on that 5%. Because patients have to have multiple chronic diseases. They have to be functionally impaired and homebound. Nothing has been shown to reduce costs as much. And now that there are financial engines behind reducing those costs and providing better care, I think this trend is going to continue." Unquote. Second, it flies in the face of traditionalists who say that primary care is only worth pursuing as the referral engine to feed specialty care. I saw this sentiment again just today from a provider on LinkedIn. Third, it sounds like leadership has bought in. According to Cornwell, the founders and leaders of VillageMD believe that the future of healthcare is at least in part in the home. They have this incredible vision of bringing more home-based primary care to the country. And Dr. Sashi Moodley, the chief clinical officer of Walgreens Health, said, I think everyone probably thinks of us as having a retail and pharmacy footprint, but you know what we announced at our investor day was a pretty bold vision for how we're transforming the company and evolving to become more of a healthcare company. On a macro scale, we see a lot of care moving to the home. As usual, I look through the lens of the consumer or patient seeking care. And if that care can happen at home, it has enormous potential to improve quality of life and reduce costs at a scale that perhaps we've never seen before. And that sure sounds like a home run to me. It's time to get more creative with our solutions for expanding care, starting with health at home. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the Week.
1: The flow, the, flow,
0: the flow, All right, let's get into the flow, everybody. Uh, we have a special episode today. Zane's back. Zane, how are you doing? Good. How are you, Jared? Doing fantastic. James Gardner's also here. James, how are you? Wonderful. Great to see you both. We've got a lot to cover today, and a fun uh, entry point here is a fact that is probably just... Worth mentioning that we had this on the calendar. If people could see our schedule, you would see we actually had time slotted this week to talk (laughs) about Amazon before the market decided to make a pretty big thing happen uh, just a few days ago. Sure, (laughs) sure. If we could upload a screenshot here uh, just to uh, back me up here, then, (laughs) but we did. Uh, We were actually planning to talk about the big players in retail health and the latest with what they're doing, how it benefits consumers, what are those disruptive tendencies, and we'll see how far we can get today because there's just a lot going on, as everybody knows. We're going to really focus on the Amazon One Medical acquisition that was just announced and focus on a couple of things. I think it's safe to say, gentlemen, that Every type of opinion has been shared on the news announcement uh, over the last few days. I've seen it plastered all over LinkedIn. I was getting texts that morning before I woke up.
1: One of those was me, I think. I think one of those was me. It <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: probably was. I uh, account for the, uh, the time zone difference there. That was probably it. Yeah, you're right. One of the interesting things, maybe this will be our starting point, because really what I hope to share is just our thoughts on what this tells us about what's happening from a big-picture standpoint, and then also, how does this affect the opportunities to be more consumer-focused? Is consumer transformation itself accelerating or slowing down or staying the same? Does this affect it? Does this not affect it? And in what ways? So the nuts and bolts of the acquisition itself, I think everyone probably knows by now. Maybe not everyone. It's probably worth just repeating a couple of the, the main details is that Amazon agreed to acquire one medical and the asking price was $3.9 billion, and it was an all cash transaction. Apparently, there, were a, there was at least one other suitor involved CVS and One Medical's uh, parent company, their stock price uh, has struggled some lately. So, there were some financial incentives, it sounds like, for, for them to look for a suitor at some point, uh, at least in, over the last few weeks from when it was reported. Who knows how long it was happening before that. But I think it's worth digging into some of the details of One Medical, what their model is, why Amazon would have some interest in it. So maybe, maybe James, maybe this first question is for you, but what do we know about One Medical that's notable, that would have put them on Amazon's
2: radar screen at
0: all? Like what, what's in it for Amazon?
2: Well, for Amazon, the deal makes complete sense, right? They're looking to get closer and closer to delivery of primary care. And they've got a fairly robust offering, but it's limited in many ways, right? It's primarily, at this point, telehealth, augmented with some home health capabilities. But as we all know, care, especially primary care, ultimately has to be delivered hands-on. At least a large part of it does. And that requires clinics. That requires doctors who can actually see patients face-to-face. And in One Medical, I strongly sense that Amazon saw an opportunity to dramatically accelerate getting to scale. And they're still not at scale, right? One Medical is a huge acquisition. There's still gaps in their national coverage. But for Amazon, it was a smart and fast and relatively easy way, I think, to get real estate, get physicians, and get closer and closer to a robust offering that large employers can reasonably and sensibly offer to their employees. In the absence of hands-on care, it was incomplete. So it makes sense from Amazon's perspective to do a deal like this. And frankly, uh, the valuation seems reasonable given where One Medical was valued at IPO and where it was trading as recently as 12 or 18 months ago.
1: That's
0: my take. Zane, what was your first your first reaction to the news?
1: When I first saw it, I wasn't surprised. But I texted you and I'm like, oh my God, Like some of the things that we've been talking about <laughs> you know, over the last couple of years on the podcast are... You know, finally happening. I agree with James. I think it makes a whole lot of sense. I also think like if you peel back the onion a little bit, you know, it's no secret that one medical serves, you know, call it a more well healed percentage or veneer of the population. Certainly all of all folks who are probably prime members too. And so I think just who one medical serves, their locations are in, you know, some of the biggest, best, most coveted cities, They're in the right spots in the city. They're certainly not in rural Oregon or Georgia. And so to me, there's like an alignment around who Amazon already targets and serves versus who they likely are going to start serving now through the the healthcare portions of their business. Basically what I'm saying is people who are either, you know, have really good insurance or have an employer that's sponsoring their
2: their, their care. I think that's really important, Azana. So thanks for bringing that up. The the Walmart, I read that the um, Amazon model is really predicated on serving large employers, right, that that you, as an individual, can't do business with with them. And they certainly are not seeking cash pay, walk-in traffic or whatnot. They're seeking the Fortune 500s, the Fortune 1000s with large national deals where they can offer a comprehensive healthcare offering. So Zane's exactly right. There's an alignment between what One Medical was doing and Amazon's aspirations for serving that well-insured uh, commercial population, which is very lucrative. Yeah, I think I can take us back even just a little over a year ago when you're talking about the uh, the
0: populations that One Medical serves. Uh, it was just over a year ago they acquired mm. Iora Health, which is a full-risk mm. you know, Medicare provider. And the, in, the financial part is interesting too because that acquisition was for $2.1 billion. And now One Medical's full valuation here was $3.9 billion in this transaction. So... That at least tells me that Iora may have had a bigger part of One Medical's overall presence than I initially thought, and that doesn't necessarily tell us if that's what Amazon wants to do with it. Like, if they want to stay there, if they want to venture into the risk-based contracting world, or if they just have some other direction to go here. James, do you have any thoughts on like where Amazon might want to go? Like, would they? Uh, would that make sense for them to venture into the risk-based side of things,
2: or, or do you see a, a totally other trajectory? I personally see IRA as like a question mark. It may have been something that unfortunately came along with the deal when they acquired One Medical, but it may not be of great interest to Amazon long-term. Being in the risk-based uh, coverage world, obviously, that's another step beyond kind of where uh, Amazon has been going. And I'm not sure if strategically that's where they want to be. So I think Zane may have a different opinion, but I think time will tell where Iora fits into their priorities and whether it's something they actually choose to hold on to or whether they were primarily interested, as I said earlier, in real estate and in physicians and, um, and getting to scale quickly in the delivery of care. I
1: think James, I don't, I don't know if I fully disagree, but I don't know if I fully agree.
2: And so, let
1: me try to explain it. And maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just, you know, slurring over my own words. But when I think about like the direct to employer space, which they've already been targeting with with Amazon Care, and, and based on some of the work I've done in the past in the direct to employer space, I could imagine that having the capabilities or the acumen to do value based care could serve you well when you're trying to pitch to big companies to, hey, let us take care of your population. Whether that's in a true, you know, traditional value-based care contract or something that's like, you know, retail value plus, I don't know. But But I would think that they would want to be able to go into an employer and say, hey, listen, if you put, you know, X number of employees within our care and we'll deliver primary care, maybe some specialty consults some behavioral health stuff, we can guarantee that we can drop your cost by, you know, X amount. Is that true? Like risk arrangement, value-based care? No. But it's more than just call it a retail arrangement, you know, where a lot of employers just pay, pay cash for whatever service, because it's usually cheaper than having their employees file a claim. And so I think there could be, you know, some opportunities if you just look at it from like a capability level, if that makes sense.
0: I think it makes perfect sense when, yeah, when we look at. Why hasn't this been done before? You know, why haven't other players come in and done more? Why haven't they come in and and disrupted the whole system? I'm using air quotes, the, the entire healthcare system in the country. One part of me says, well, that doesn't make business sense, good business sense for anybody. So maybe that's the number one reason why no one has come and tried to solve all of the challenges involved in fixing the system and making it more consumer friendly. The other side of me says, well, okay, so what makes this different and zane i know you've talked about this a great deal before james you have too but these players one reason they're considered disruptors is they don't have to solve all of the business challenges they can just come in swoop down take the part of the value chain that makes sense to them they don't have to solve all of value based care they don't have to fix everything they don't have to solve physician burnout they can just come and do the part they want and then you know be on their merry way and and continue on there. Is that valid? Is that accurate?
1: I totally think so. And so, you know, Amazon, Walmart, others, you know, James certainly knows more about some of those guys than I do, but Amazon specifically, they're not beholden to the same master that health systems are, which is ultimately to use primary care to drive utilization in your specialty practices and ORs. I mean, that's the dirty secret of American healthcare is, you know, essentially primary care clinics are mousetraps for business, to fill your ORs in the inpatient setting or ambulatory OR setting, whatever. It sounds crass and it is. But, you know, with Amazon, to your point, they're not trying to fill a hospital or a surgery center. And so they now have completely different motives. And so, you know, what that end game is for their health consumer is I mean I'm not saying the their end game is any more righteous than a health system, but it's certainly not filling a filling a hospital, and so it just makes it totally different and puts them on a different playing
2: field than incumbents. I think that's a great insight, Zane. And there was much talk as Walmart was building out its clinics as to what their motives were, and certainly it was not to fill ORs <laughs> or to feed a, a larger hospital system. In their case, it was motivation to get people off their couch and into the retail stores a completely different way of thinking about the rationale for delivering care. Of course, they wanted those clinics to be profitable and whatnot, but a large part of their strategic rationale was how do we get people away from the Amazon shopping experience and walking our physical stores and offering dental care, offering mental health, offering audio, offering... Those were all reasons to get people off the couch and into those stores. So I think you're spot on with that observation, Zane. Stay tuned for more
0: provocative thinking after the break. Hey, listen up, y'all. Did you know that nearly 60% of people wish their healthcare provider sent them more relevant health information? And 42% would even consider switching to a different provider that sent them more, according to a recent survey of patients in the U.S.? The vast majority of them would prefer to get that information via email or text. Persado is a natural language AI company that provides healthcare organizations with pre-developed, pre-optimized messaging journeys proven to build digital relationships, improve health goals, and increase patient retention. Deliver better health outcomes and revenue growth with Persado's data-driven content that inspires action. Visit persado.com to learn more. That's persado, P-E-R-S-A-D-O.com to find out how Persado can help. Justin Knott here with the Patient Convert Podcast, your weekly dose of healthcare marketing growth strategies, co-hosted by Justin and Kelly Knott. This is perfect for physicians, practice owners, healthcare entrepreneurs, and healthcare executives. We are breaking down what practices and healthcare organizations should be doing to grow, reach, and retain patients. There's so much confusion and so many options out there around what you should be focusing on to grow your practice, and we're breaking down each week what really works. We're bringing real-world application, case studies, and interviews from leading growth-minded physicians and healthcare executives. So catch us weekly on your favorite listening platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. Okay, back to the flow. Well, the thought of where we go from there, it's telling of their disruptive DNA, I think, is what we've referred to even when we were talking about United Health a few weeks back of like, what's their level of disruptive business mindset? And I think that's worth diving into a little bit here because that dictates almost everything else and the thought of how they are approaching that way well, you just said James like it's not build up primary care as referral referral patterns for those cash cows and it's not necessarily fully the other direction you know where primary care in and of itself is this fully profitable business that can survive on its own like i'm not aware of business models where it in and of itself is like the end it's always a means to an end It's always like, where are we getting people as a result of that? We're building a relationship with a consumer or patient for some other reason. That's what I'm aware of uh, for the most part. So the fact that that's where uh, retailers like this can come in and just scoop up part of that relationship with those, it's been pointed out by people, uh, by a lot of people who've shared their opinions on this news story over the last few days, that it doesn't have to be Those like high value commercially insured patients sometimes ideal. In in a best case world, you're gaining relationships with those who don't have one with any primary care provider at all, and so you're actually bringing more people into a funnel if you're doing this right. So I see some business value, I guess, in 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 that part of the strategy. But maybe like are there other parts of how they could disrupt the industry? Like are others going to follow suit? Are other retailers going to try to do the same thing and and acquire you know an Oak Street a ChenMed? I mean, Walgreens says Village MD, right? So, are there other opportunities that that could disrupt and follow suit now that we have this model of Amazon's getting into the primary care world, the in-person side of things? I, I don't even know where to go with that train of thought. I'm just wondering if if others might follow suit if that makes sense. Any thoughts on that?
2: Absolutely, Jared. I completely look to um, CVS slash Aetna as being an acquirer of some mechanism for accelerating growth, right? They've got thousands of storefronts and they've expressed a strong interest in delivering care. Now they see Amazon's leapfrogged them. And it's always been discussed that they would be a logical acquirer of some organization to get scale the same way that Amazon did. So I, I totally see that as plausible. I'm not sure what's going on at Walmart these days, but I can also see them potentially being an acquirer as a means of getting scale, although their models so radically different, be a little more challenging to bolt on an organization like One Medical. But in the case of CVS, Aetna, I could see it working for sure. So I'm completely down the path of them looking and potentially making a move shortly. That's interesting. I wonder, you know, Jared, on my end,
1: they have pharmacy both in PillPack and Amazon Pharmacy. They have telehealth now, bricks and mortar through One Medical. Know, health tracking devices, but what they really don't have now to like truly make a, a full complement premier care service is you know like lab diagnostics and imaging. And so I almost wonder if like an Everlywell who bought PWN, you know, it could be a you know, maybe another another target on their acquisition list or similar. I don't I don't think it makes sense to go build your own diagnostics is such a commodity market anyway. I would just wonder if that's something that they'd be considering as well. And so now imagine, you know, you can do your virtual consult If you need to get labs on a blood test can get sent to you, or, or maybe you walk into a One Medical if it's nearby, and then boom, an Amazon drone shows up with your medication through pharmacy. That could be really compelling. And I say all that to say this, perhaps, and I'll be curious to see if Amazon does anything in this space. It's probably not high on their list. But having been someone who started his career in rural health, I just wonder if there's a play there for Amazon, who, maybe not in all rural communities, but in smaller communities, is already going in there to deliver packages, and you know maybe they have some type of offices or warehouses there already. How might they use their, you know, their chassis, if you will, to deliver other services to now bring healthcare into in a more robust way than currently exists in those smaller communities, and so there may be some really you know cool call it. Like more altruistic community benefit angles to this beyond just serving you know, the well-heeled Amazon Prime and one medical
2: member, so to speak. I see that as Walmart's opportunity to lose, yeah. but you're spot yep. on, Zane. Yep. Um, given Walmart's footprint across middle America, 4,000 super centers and uh, Sam's Clubs, all of which have large parking lots, all of which could be easily home to a Walmart health clinic. Unfortunately, the organization's stalled right now from where they were back in 2019 and 2020. But that's Walmart's opportunity to lose. It's also Dollar General's opportunity to win if they choose to take action because both of them are so strong in rural America. Let me take the conversation in a slightly different direction because I I think we'd be remiss not to talk about health insurers or payers and um, where they might be in organizational crosshairs. Um, Because my view... And Zane Jared jumped in here, but my sense is like the integrated model is a really strong one, payer providers. I think that's where the industry's future is headed, but it's also omni channel. And we've kind of seen Amazon create an omni channel model, they still don't have a payer. And we know back in 2018, that Walmart surprisingly took a run at Humana. And I can see that being revisited as like, perhaps not by Walmart, but perhaps by Amazon, perhaps by another large organization, seeking that capability of delivering uh, care, but also being the pair and hence having aligned incentives, which are so powerful, right? That's where CVS Aetna gets its strength from. It's where Kaiser gets its strength from. That's where United obviously gets its strength from is that they've got that aligned set of incentives. So do we think insurers could be like, the Eastern Front, if this was the Western Front. <laughs> that
1: would that would be insane. Like you imagine like Amazon, Amazon Prime Health, like a health insurance plan by Amazon. I bet you a million bucks I'd actually know what I'm paying for. And my, what is it? My explanation of benefits would be clear if they took it over.
2: <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. So maybe we should all be long and we can't give stock advice, oh, obviously. Gosh, here. No. But uh, we should all have our eyes on uh, Cigna, perhaps Centene, perhaps some other organizations like that. That's a really interesting uh, direction to take this in. There's a lot, of, a lot of chatter, an unusual amount of chatter. Granted, it's a $4 billion deal, but maybe because it's Amazon and maybe because yeah, people were just shocked. My by...
1: advice to our members and clients has always been whenever you see these disruptors do whatever, remember that healthcare economic fundamentals are still at play. And so no matter how sexy things sound or well-branded, once you peel away that, you can just see that they're likely doing similar things that you are, just maybe better. And so don't don't be too afraid. I mean, be afraid, but don't think that they've came up with some sort of magic trick that you haven't thought about yet. They're just moving forward faster than you. And maybe their pencil's a little sharper than yours, if that makes sense.
0: So a couple of the thoughts that I've uh, seen in a couple of other places, and maybe this is just a a way to to wrap this this conversation in terms of where do we go next there's two things that i've i'm paying attention to right now as a result of this and one is the thought of will there be more conglomerates out there are we headed towards a future that's united amazon and a very 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 distant third and fourth you know a couple of main national commercial providers for profit health systems and then everybody else like are we headed towards more acquisitions more mergers more big players that do have all the different components that are needed to drive business and none of the fat that's one question one thing I'm gonna be keeping an eye on it wouldn't surprise me again I think the more we learned about United and Optum a few episodes ago uh, it was pretty eye-opening in terms of their they clearly are headed this way as well. And then the other thing that's been on my mind a lot is a comment that was in our Consumer First Health Group discussion, just ironically, a day after the news came out about Amazon and One Medical, which again, we had already planned to have. <laughs> so the timing was was very serendipitous. But in that call, there were a couple of folks who expressed this thought of, hey, will this announcement finally help me and my health system get some, some traction for prioritizing our experience, can we move the needle with our consumer initiatives now? Will this be a wake up call in any way, shape, or form? Will this be a little bit of a a wake up call to our leaders who have, up to this point, not prioritized a need to improve the experience because they think that consumers come to see the doctor no matter what? And I thought that that part was interesting. Of course, you know, knowing knowing me at all, you know, that's going to resonate with me. That thought of. Why, why aren't we focusing on this? There are some pretty low hanging fruit to improve an experience, to make it easier, to make healthcare not so hard. And in doing so, ideally bringing people into the healthcare system that otherwise have been avoiding it because the experience is so hard. And I think that's worth noting. I don't know, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, this is going to be that wake up call for everybody. But I think it's worth noting that This likely is not the last announcement we're going to see along these lines. The other players are already looking at what their next big move is going to be. They're they're not going to be okay sitting here having all the spotlight on Amazon. Other stuff's going to happen. Other plays are going to be made and other moves are going to happen. So will there be a trend of other ones this calendar year? Will there be other things that happen right away? Can't say. I don't have any inside information there, but... I would not be surprised. I would expect at least one or two of these other ones. Maybe James, it's the one you mentioned of, yeah, Cigna or Humana, you know, being a target or CVS Setna getting involved in another way here. And yeah, those are the things I'm going to keep my eye on here as I just look at, Hey, what's the long-term effect of this, this merger. That's kind of where my mind is going. Any, any final thoughts or where, where you're going to be paying attention to from this point on James?
2: Those are both really great thoughts to leave our audience with, Jared. To your point, I I think scale is like inevitable. So I think payers are going to get bigger and providers are going to get bigger. And the notion of a $10 billion health system being large will seem quaint. (laughs) I think we're just going to see more and more giants emerging. It seems inevitable. I also see them joining forces more and more because as I said earlier the integrated model just inherently is a powerful one so I'm looking for mergers and acquisitions across the payer-provider continuum so I'm with you on that and I hope and I think you're right that this should be a wake-up call for health systems providers really anyone who's uh, in a patient-facing role that this is a, a call to raise your game right Amazon prides itself on customer obsession And they're going to rethink every aspect of the patient journey, and they're going to rethink how to make that experience better and better and better. And now that they're closer to the delivery of care, and will soon be actually delivering hands-on care, that's got to be a concern. It's got to be alarming, even, because patients are going to learn to expect more and more and more of their providers. And those who fail, well, it's not going to work right well. I think it's, it's fair to say. So your thoughts are great, Jared. Um, I think that's kind of a wonderful way to uh, call a wrap on this.
0: Oh, thanks. Yeah, well, there. like I said, we'll keep our eye on this thing. No doubt this is just the next move. It's not the last move. <laughs> It'll be fun uh, to see where things go from here. It's been great to dive into this a little bit with both of you and uh, look forward to uh, seeing where everything goes. Uh, thanks again, James and Zane for giving us a few minutes today. Thanks, Jared. It's been fun.